Then Yeshua told his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, let him say no to himself and take up his cross and keep following me. For whoever wants to save his own life will destroy it, but whoever destroys his life for my sake will find it. What good will it do someone if he gains the whole world but forfeits his life? Or what can a person give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will repay everyone according to his conduct. Yes, I tell you that there are some people standing here who will not experience death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Matthew 16, 24 to 28. Do nothing out of rivalry or vanity, but in humility regard each other as better than yourselves. Look out for each other's interests and not just for your own. Let your attitude toward one another be governed by your being in union with Messiah Yeshua. Though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God something to be possessed by force. On the contrary, he emptied himself in that he took the form of a slave by becoming like human beings are. And when he appeared as a human being, he humbled himself still more by becoming obedient even to death, death on a stake as a criminal. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. My sacrifice to God is a broken spirit. God, you won't spurn a broken, chastened heart. Psalm 51, 19. Welcome to Beth Takun and our ongoing study of the Torah. This week we're in portion Pinchas, or Phineas, which is Numbers chapter 25, verse 10 through the end of 29. I'm Tim Pell, and I'm glad you're here. Let's dive in. First of all, let's take an outline of the chapter, or of the portion, rather. Chapter 25 completes the episode that began in Balak. Adonai rewards Pincus with a covenant of peace and lasting priesthood, followed by Adonai's instruction for Israel to harass and smite the Midianites, but not the Moabites. Chapter 26 includes the second census, revealing that the total has diminished by 1,820 from the first census. In chapter 27, we have the laws of inheritance brought about by the daughters of Zelophadot. God shows Moses the land, and Moses' successor is commissioned. Finally, in chapters 28 through 29, Israel is given instructions on the daily, weekly, and festival sacrifices. That's the outline. Now for a brief review of some of the interesting things we have learned together in our study of this portion over the years. Just two things. First, the broken vav. In chapter 25, verse 12, I have here, it says, Therefore, say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, covenant of shalom. Um, in every Torah scroll, there includes in that, in that shalom a broken vav, implying that brokenness is an essential part of completeness or shalom. It's a very interesting insight. The second thing we've learned uh, is the word or the, the number 1,820. In chapter 26, verse 51, it states, uh, well, it's, it says, this was the list of the people of Israel, uh, 6,730, which is 1,820 less than the first census, which was 603, 550. 
we see here the total is, is less than the first census. The significance of this number, the sages believe, implies that this decrease is divine, that it's a kind of holy attrition, that while it was a physical decrease in the number of people of Israel, spiritually Israel had become greater. 1,820 being, of course, the product of 26 times 70, 26 being the numerical value of God's name, and 70 being a number of completion. And also, 1,820 is the number of time the number of times God's name, yod heh vav -Hey, appears in the Torah. Interesting stuff. But now for what I want to bring to you today. You'll have to bear with me. This is some insight that I just came to maybe three or four hours ago, and I'm still making the connections in my brain. So I'm going to present it to you as it was presented to me. And maybe you can help to make the connections more concrete in your discussion and how you chew on it. But this is what, uh, this is what was revealed to me. So, here is the word Natan. Nun, Tov, Nun. Uh, when, the, when the letter Nun comes at the end of a Hebrew word, it stands up. The, the bottom part of it goes down and it, it, is, it basically stands up. So there's Nun, Tov, Nun. All right. I call this, this, this is based on uh, chapter 27, verses 12 to 23, uh, which in your Bible might, might have a heading of um, Joshua to succeed Moses or Moses commissions Joshua, right? So it's these verses here that have to do with this, 12 through 23. And I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, and read it uh, to give us some, some context here. Starting in chapter 12, 27, verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, Go up into this mountain of, of Abarim and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. When you have seen it, you also shall be gathered to your people. Uh, a note here, that phrase, you shall be gathered to your people, is another way of saying you will die, um, just so you know. You will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. Aaron has already passed away. Because you rebelled against my word in the, in the wilderness of Zin when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as, a, as, as holy at the waters before their eyes. These are the waters of Meribah of Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep uh, that have no shepherd. Some interesting insight there in that verse, verse 17. It sounds redundant. It sounds like he's saying the same thing twice. But what he's, what he's really saying is, uh, who shall go out before them and come in before them. This is someone who leads from the front. The second part, who shall lead them out and bring them in, implies that he takes the people with them. So he's leading from the front. He's also taking the people with him. These are two important aspects of leadership. Continuing in verse 18. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority, that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. 
And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the people of Israel with him, the whole congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole congregation, and he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses. Okay, so let me, let me give kind of an a, a, a overview of what I believe is happening in here, here and why it relates to this word. One, Moses is a man who through incorrectly using his hands when he had the staff and hit the rock to bring water to the people, he has been humbled and made low. So he did something wrong with his hand, and now he is, he is diminished in a way. Two, his response is not to plead for his own name, his sons, or his legacy, but for God to appoint an Ish al-Haeda, a man over the congregation, a leader who will lead them from the front and take the people with him, as I said before. Two, that's two. And three, God gives Moses instruction regarding his selection of Yehoshua, which includes the laying on of Moses' hand. There's the hand again. Moses is to Natan, to invest or give or bestow, not God's authority, but Moses' authority. Let me say that again. Moses is to Natan, to give, Moses' authority to Joshua. So, one, Moses makes a mistake with his hand, keeping him out of the land. Two, he chooses to submit by not complaining about himself or his predicament, but only pleading on behalf of others of Israel. And three, God redeems Moses' hand, allowing his legacy to enter the land. Right? So Moses probably had in mind at some point, he's going to enter the land, it's all going to be good, his, his children will be taken care of. He realizes he has made a mistake. And instead of complaining or whining about it, he only feels for his people, for Israel. So he is the, he is the first uh, nun of Natan. He's the first nun. He's been, made, he's been made low. He's been humbled. Through, through his commissioning or giving up of something, giving of himself to Joshua, he has uh, accomplished what the, the Tov does. He's bridging this gap between him who's been humbled and Joshua who will be made to stand in his place. Okay, so in other words, God redeems Moses' hand by making it the instrument through which Israel enters the land. That is, the journey of salvation is completed. Another thing that's important to note here is that in this succession plan, right, unlike in, in other areas of life, Joshua isn't simply Moses' replacement. Joshua is the extension or continuance of Moses' authority. So... In God's mercy, Moses does get to enter the land through the continuance of his authority, the most 
important part of him, his, his legacy. And Joshua is not the Ish al-Haida, the man over the congregation, without Moses' authority. So he's not a replacement. He's just a continuance of it. And this is important because Moses and his, uh, his sons don't have an inheritance in the land, as we see in, in, the, in the census that just played out. This is God's mercy saying, though, you will. You will go on. What I have started in you will continue, and you will have a portion in the land, just not in the way that you thought, or not in the way that we would have thought. It's more spiritual than physical. So let's look at this word, Natan. The word Natan can mean invest in. I think in my translation it says invest. You shall invest. Um, <clears throat> you shall invest him with some of your authority. Some of your authority. Invest him or give, bestow, uh, different things like that. So it is a taking of a part of you and putting it into something else. Like if you invest your money in something, you're taking your money, investing it. You're putting it somewhere else. And this, this word we're, we're familiar with in our, um, when we have a Torah service, we say this word, a different form of it, notain. So, Baruch atah Adonai notain ha-Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, who gives the Torah. Give. There's this giving of it, right? So this is, this is giving. This is the picture of giving. What, what it's also picturing here, um, if you don't know, but many of, many of you I know do, a nun is, is a picture of uh, a man who is kneeling, a humbled man or a humble man, someone who's kneeling, who's been, who has been brought low or who lowers himself. The tov, as we know, is uh, the cross um, and, and uh, pictures what, what Yeshua accomplished by bridging the gap, being crossed between. And then there's another nun, but this nun is not bent low. This nun is standing straight. So there is an element of triumph, of, of victory, of completeness there, right? Of being, being able to stand tall. So, if we look at this word, it's picturing this. Several different things. I'm just going to lay out some of these as they, as they came to me in a brainstorm session in my office over there. A humble or humbled man through the power of the cross is made to stand, okay? Or, first humility, then the cross, then victory. Or, Moses gives to Joshua. Or, Yeshua ben Yosef, Jesus, son of Joseph, the cross, Yeshua ben David. Jesus, son of David. Or, and, and you can keep going with this, and some of these, uh, uh, some of these pictures, some of these um, parallels are better and stronger than others. But this is a, a hugely important word in this entire passage, and I would say in, in, in all of the Torah. This is a very, very important word, this Natan, because it's picturing what is actually happening as Moses with his hand. The, probably the very hand he used to disobey God, God has asked him to use it to commission the next leader, 
the one who will bring the people into the land, who will lead from the front, who will lead them in uh, and take them with him. Another place, so I, I, you know, we've we've talked about um, in our congregation the um, I forget it's called the law of first occurrence or, or the what's that called, David? Something about the first occurrence of a word. When you see a word in, in the Torah, uh, it's it's good practice to see where it uh, uh, happens first in Scripture in the Torah to to get a flavor for for what is is truly going on with that word anytime it's used after that. So with that in mind, I found where the word, and Natan is a root word, I found where the word Natan, the root, is used first. And it's in Genesis, uh, Genesis 1, verse 17. God put them, and them was the Shanae uh, Hama'orot, the two lights. He put them in the dome of the sky to give light to the earth. And how he did it was yitain. The difference, of course, being that instead of a nun at the beginning, the picture of a man accomplishing this, setting up the light to the world, the yud is there. And the yud pictures the hand of God. That gave me chills when I was putting all this together. And I wish I had three or four more hours to really, really chew on it or even a group of people to discuss it with. But you do. So I encourage you to do that. So what God did in Genesis by, uh, through Yitain, he used his hand to place the light of the world. Moses accomplishes similarly through his submission. His submission and humility is what is able to uh, bring the light and, and, and the water to the people by allowing them to go into the land with a leader who, who is the right leader for the time in their, in their growth. Um, and that, and that's, that's, that's an important note, too. So, Yitain Natan. A beautiful, beautiful word, beautiful picture that shows just how deep this goes. Um, there are so many more things we could probably draw out of this, uh, but it is, it's something that is a pattern for us to follow. We can't, we can't, necess- we can't yitain. Uh, we, we don't have the hand. We're not the hand of God. But we can natan. We can natan. We can be humble and submissive and thereby unlock and unleash the power of the cross to not only uh, bring about our own standing tall, but allow our people to stand tall, the, uh, the congregation to stand tall, the community, the world, all of, all of everything to stand tall. Humility, the cross of Messiah, and victory. That is, that is a awesome, awesome picture there. And it's right here in this portion. In chapter 27, verse 20, you shall invest, Natan. So, what you do in this life with your yud, with your hand, your power, your authority, your conduct matters forever. 
beyond time and space and beyond your life right now. So ask yourself, how have I been misusing my yud, my, my power, my authority, my conduct? Or more specifically, how have I, like Moses, let my impatience or frustration with others or myself or even God cause me to conduct myself in an un-Yeshua-like way? And how can I die to self and do the hard work required for redemption? Pray that Adonai is merciful first and that he reveals these things to you and that it is not too painful. And always remember that it's the right, good, uh, it's the next right thing. It's the good thing to do. I hope this has been insightful and helpful to you. I know it was exciting to me and I, uh, I, I wish I could be there with you to hear all of the great discussion that you may, or I'd hope you'd have a good discussion off of this. I know I would, um, but I'd love, to, I'd love to be there. And, and, and if you can share with me what you've, what you have, uh, what's been revealed to you through this, please do in the comments or just give me a call, those of you who have my number. So may God bless you, and may he make us all into the people he wants us to be. Shabbat shalom.